2: And hello, welcome in. Tuesday edition of the program live and underway here on the Big X. Just a great time of year. I was looking tonight in mid-major basketball. There are four conference championship, tournament championships on the line, which mean four NCAA tournament bids. We are to that time of year where the uh, tournament field is beginning. Uh, Some teams beginning to punch their ticket. And then, of course, for the high major world of college basketball, Later this week here, really on Wednesday, all of the conference tournaments get underway and we are headed into just a, a great week, basketball all day, uh, NCAA tournament bids being punched throughout the week, just a, a fun week of basketball. And of course, last night, sectionals concluded because of the wind on Friday Most of the area sectionals made the decision to postpone semifinal games to Saturday and championship games to Monday night. And there were some really good championship games Monday night, but none better than the 1A sectional at West Washington. Amazing to see the clips from the final seconds of that game. And we're going to talk about that coming up here in just a second as well. Let's take a look at the show lineup. It's a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one here in just a moment will be joined by Chris Brown. He's the coach at Rock Creek. And uh, Coach Brown's Rock Creek team had a thrilling, thrilling win last night. And Justin, if you're listening, uh, we've got you need to reconnect with Coach Brown. Uh, but thrilling victory for uh, Rock Creek last night, and uh, just amazing how that game finished up. So we'll tell you all about that, and have Coach Brown with us here in just a couple moments. Also later in the show, Mike Schumann of the Daily Hoosier will join as we get ready for the Big Ten tournament. And take a look at this. Path for the three seeded Indiana Hoosiers and what it could look like this week. Some great Big Ten basketball is ahead. And I like the draw for the Hoosiers, but it's not going to be easy. We all know that, and so uh, we'll talk with Mike Schumann about that and more coming up a little bit later in the program today. That's the show lineup, a service of Honeybake Tam in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service is still available as well at Honeybake Tam in New Albany. Also, the Thornton's text line is open, that number 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. If you were at a sectional championship game last night, I'd love to hear from you. If you're excited about the Big Ten tournament, you think Indiana's got chances or a tough path, love to hear from you. Again, 502-414-1450. Always the Thornton's text line. And Right now, you can get a free sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit, a bacon, egg, and cheese croissant, or a steak and egg burrito, and any fountain drink, tea, or fizz freeze, or 20-ounce bottled soda when you become a new Refreshing Rewards member. Simply download the app and register today for Refreshing Rewards to earn your free breakfast on Thornton's. And let's get to our first guest, Chris Brown of Rock Creek. Coach, you have been in this business of coaching young men for many, many years, and we'll go through some of the particulars here in just a moment, but have you ever been a part of a crazy game such as last night, or was last night, does that take the cake in your 27 years of coaching high school basketball?
1: No, Matt, thanks for having me on. Uh, for sure, that was by far the, the craziest game to be a part of. I mean, that's who's your, who's your hysteria at its best, at its finest?
2: So let's kind of go through it here. Alex Shuler of Borden, he had a three-pointer to give Borden a 46-45 lead with three-point seconds left. And then, Coach Brown, I'll let you take it from there. Just some amazing finishes both ways. Ultimately, your team on top. Take us through that final 3.6 seconds.
1: So, we, before that, we were shooting free throws to put us up, and uh, we, I told the ref, if they hit, we want a timeout, and they come down, and, and he pump fakes, and, and, and deeper goes up and goes past him, and he... Takes a little dribble to the left and, and knocks it down, and, and I thought we had actually about four four point two seconds left when I was looking. But they 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 put three point six back up. We called the timeout and, and uh, set up a play. And actually, uh, I don't know. I'm maybe ran maybe, maybe ran a play like that to its fruition for a win, maybe three times or something like that. But in my life, but uh, it actually worked for the buzzer beater. And you know, we wanted LA to get three three and a half seconds is enough for him to get up and down the court. And uh, we got it to him, and uh, we told Biko to leak out, and Kiwon sprinted to the corner, and you know that's that's a shot that he works on all the time, and it's a scenario that we work on, and just you haven't had to pull it out very much, but and last night it just it just it we were fortuitous enough to have the last possession with no time left on the clock, basically, and and uh, that's that's the way it went down. It was just so it was crazy exciting, man.
2: Yeah, that awesome stuff. Hoosier hysteria at its finest on Monday night. Kawan Biko from the corner. I think it was about, what, an 18-footer at the horn that uh, gave Rock Creek the 47-46 win over Borden. Coach, this Rock Creek team, with the win last night, with the sectional trophy, has a record of 10 wins and 14 <laughs> losses. But if you look at the schedule, I think it's easy to see why your 1A program has 14 losses, because you always, good years, mediocre years, even down years at Rock Creek, have been willing to take on all comers and the best of the best, so your schedule, very, very competitive, and that's probably the reason for so many losses this year.
1: Well, no doubt. I mean, we we it's uh, built by design, the fact, you know, the, the schedule is, and, and uh, it's tough, and You know, we put our kids, sometimes I question it. And uh, this year at times I think we went four and a half weeks without a win and and came close to beating Bossy and some other teams. And that run run right before Christmas, starting out at Bloomington South and then going up to Connersville. And, then I mean, just after that, it was just Evansville, Harrison, Bossy, Southwestern Court, and Providence. I mean, there was never a a game that you could take a, you know, there was no lightweights at all. And I don't mean that disrespectful. I'm just saying there was nobody that wasn't really, really good and it just was a, every night was a you had to fight and you had to claw and you had to sharpen your tools and you had to literally just go after it and and they, they kept I just kept telling them and that we preached it all season all summer and all season and and you know this will make us better it'll make us better it'll make us better, make us better. and Ladarius goes down and he's out four games from the Providence game on and, and uh didn't get to play against Jeff and some of these other teams and we definitely were noticeably different without him. And Kalen Brown came off; or he came back to us with a broken wrist, and and we got him late. He'd been out since the beginning of the season. Uh, right before practice started, he was been out with a broken wrist. So, having those two guys healthy really helped us out. But that schedule definitely has helped shape us and turn us into the team that we have been playing like as of recently.
2: Chris Brown of Rock Creek is Team One. A thrilling game last night to go on to a regional at Lagodi coming up on Saturday. And oddly enough, you'll match up with New Washington, another local team, to win a sectional. They had their own sectional this year and squared off with them down at Lagodi. But, Coach, I want to go back through the sectional before we look ahead to the regional round. Uh, This started last Tuesday night, a week from today with a really good victory over Christian Academy. Christian Academy was one of the favorites with Borden in the sectional. You guys had played them very tough earlier in the season, but came up just a tad short, 40-37. You got that big win and that really started a good week of momentum for your club
1: last week. Yeah, it 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 did. Uh that was that was a big win right out of the gate. That that Tuesday night atmosphere was great too with the other games as well. <clears throat> and uh with Borden to West Washington the other side and um, it was just a great first round environment, and then, you know, we're looking forward to after that. Just looking, really looking forward to Friday night, and you know, the wind comes in and just and the storms and just puts everything on a delay. It's just golly, it just it just really just got to keep them together and just kind of focus on the task at hand and, and one game survive in advance. And that game against uh, the Warriors, it it it, uh, it was a big deal, man. It, it uh, that's my alma mater, so it it uh, it was a big one and. They came to play, we came to play, and again we they had a good look at the end and we didn't even contest the three that well and uh, uh you know cook off with the wide right and had a great look they had a good play call on that and uh we were fortunate enough to get out of there with that win that night and you know uh again though no, we you know good teams find ways to win, and it might be ugly and then that was an ugly win uh you know it was odd that both both scores that night were the same score for both games forty to thirty seven just so many weird instances this tournament it's it's just been crazy so great great fun to be you know great to be a part of all that fun for sure
2: absolutely what was the locker room like the bus ride like last night coming back from west washington i know that (laughs) Publicly, obviously the fans will remember the shot, but for somebody like you that's done this before and led a team to victories over the years and been around coaching 27 seasons here in the state, uh, sometimes it's those intimate moments with your team uh, behind closed doors or on a bus that you'll remember most from a moment like that.
1: Yeah, for, for sure. I mean, those, uh, we've been in a lot of locker rooms where we've been crying and our seniors are talking, and, and uh, those are the locker rooms you hate. And I just wanted it so bad for these guys, and uh, every, every, every coach does. And, I mean, and I, we were, you know, less than four seconds away from being in that sad locker room, and we were last year. And it's just one of those that you just you keep on playing, and that's all I was telling them during timeout. We we got this. Play the next play. Here's the play. You know, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. Let's go. I didn't say that to them then, but I was like, it's going in. Knock down the shot. Let's get away. Let's walk away with this victory. And you just kind of talk yourself off that cliff sometimes, and 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 make yourself believe as well. But that locker room was fun. I mean, just seeing these guys—they worked so hard. These seniors that had been here for all four years and 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 been through a seven-win season and didn't see a lot of success, and and you know, played a tough schedule and didn't see much success, and and even in postseason and stuff. And and uh, you know, these guys have found ways to win, and and and. Uh, that locker room was fun, but the ride home we got a, It was funny because we've got we had the fire trucks and the and the the policemen the the police car escorts back to you know from Sellersburg there and and it was just fun man the the kids really enjoyed that and it was odd being on a Monday night but it was still a great great fitting you know end to that that story.
2: All right, coach, I've got to talk about the regional for just a moment. You've been there plenty of times before, so the location is going to be the same. Ligoti, you've played there. The opponent is New Washington, someone also from Clark County that you're familiar (coughs) with. So there's a lot of things similar, but... It's a one-game deal. It's going to be so different to go to regionals this year, and All right. yeah, there'll be two games at Lagodi. Uh, you guys have the seven o'clock game. Lagodi will play Northeast Bois before you, but you don't play the winner that day or the next day. It's it's just a different format. Semi-state will become the old regional as far as being a two-game format. How different will that be as far as preparation and just kind of going into that regional day? You don't know if you're going to be there one game, two games. Often you probably haven't spent any time or very little time on who you could play in the night game, but it's a lot different setup this week. You've got one opponent, that's New Washington, and that's where all the focus will be this week.
1: Yeah, and when they changed that, I remember – discussing this a couple of years ago and, and they were changing the regional format to the, the making a semi-state format and uh you know nobody really knew and then we watched the girls play out like you did with lanesville and some of the other local teams and in, in court and, and uh it, it provided a lot of excitement and you know you know we'll 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 wait and see but i mean all of our energy obviously is going to be on on new watch this week and going forward and and uh preparing for them and you know, we'll wait and cross that bridge if, if we get to it. But, uh, you know, I think the two-game semi-state does provide a, it, it's a difference, and you're still getting the same amount of games in the state tournament if you're advancing. So it does provide a, a little bit of spice and excitement to that, that round as opposed to the regional. So it'll definitely be different coming up to Lagodi only expecting to play the one game only. That, that is going to be different.
2: Yeah, no question. Chris Brown of Rock Creek. Coach, congratulations on a big sectional championship. That was thrilling to see those videos. First, the Borden 3, and then the uh, the Rock Creek 2 there from 18 feet out to win it. That was just a wonderful way to wrap up what was a great week of sectional action, and we wish you the very best in the regional round.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it, Matt. Thank you so much for all you do for basketball here and everything else in southern Indiana and uh, Uh, We look forward to keep on playing and surviving in advance.
2: Absolutely. Rock Creek, one of our local teams, headed to the regional on Saturday. Again, Coach Brown's team, will take on New Washington, who also has an interesting record. They are 13-13. and 13. They had a coaching change midseason, which is very interesting and something that we'll talk about later this week. And so two local teams, two Clark County teams, both maybe New Washington in a little bit of a weaker sectional. I think people felt like had a legit chance to win it, but I'm not sure anybody p- predicted Rock Creek out of the gate. I would have put Borden 1, Christian Academy 2, and very likely South Central 3 with Rock Creek being the fourth pick in that sectional. It just shows you how thrilling and exciting high school basketball, high school sports can be. And when I saw that game unfolding last night, and then those late shots both ways, just an outstanding game to be at. So if you were at West Washington, obviously if you're a Borden fan it was a a tough night, but uh, what a good environment for high school basketball, especially on a Monday night. Real quick as well, some of the other local things from last Night after 604 games and 25 years at New Albany, Jim Shannon's career came to an end as the Bulldogs dropped a game last night to a good Jennings County team who uh, very much deserves to win the sectional. They came back twice on Tuesday against Bedford, once in regulation, the other time in double overtime to actually get the narrow victory. They came back against Jeff, they were down 31 16 to the Red Devils on Saturday night in the semifinal, came back and won that one. And uh, New Albany kept it close. New Albany slowed it down. Definitely battled uh, with Jennings County, got it down as few as four points uh, fairly late in the game, and Jennings County would go on to win it by double digits. But somebody sent me this uh, last night before the game, uh, adding up Jim Shannon's record at Seymour. This is regular season against the Owls, and I know Seymour's not been great, uh, but this also includes all tournament games, sectionals, regionals, semi-states as well. Jim Shannon after last night, 64 wins in Seymour's E. Scott Gymnasium and just 24 losses. That is an amazing record. Obviously, you could pair out some of the regular season wins over Seymour in that gymnasium and really get a true look at the tournament record there, which still would be outstanding. But he has had an amazing career at New Albany. I know we had him on last week. Headed into his last home game at the Doghouse before the tournament. I'm not sure that anybody thought New Albany, who was really struggling uh, in the last half of the season, would be able to win any more games at all let alone beat Floyd Central, who was down as well, but still a big rivalry game. And then Seymour, who's hard to play against. They slow it down. They play defense. It's an awkward game to play. And so he got two before he went out. But uh, congratulations to Coach Shannon. He's been a great friend of mine, a great friend of this program. We've had him on so much. It felt like during the Romeo years, uh, we were talking to Coach Shannon uh, once or twice a week about Romeo and about his team and about... All the big games and ESPN and different tournament successes that the Bulldogs had. So sad to see his career come to an end. I didn't ask him this on the air. I know a lot of people have, and there's been a lot of rumors out there about Coach Shannon as far as what he might do in the future. I know a lot of people wanting to know if he's going to coach next year somewhere else. It's hard for me to see him not coaching again. Um, Even his uh, interview last night after the game, uh, this has been his life. Uh, It really has been his life, and to completely walk away from it permanently, I don't know if I believe that or not. So uh, will we see Jim Shannon back in a vacancy next year? I would bet no next year, but maybe a couple years from now, it would not surprise me at all to see Jim Shannon back on the sideline in the future for some additional seasons here of Southern Indiana basketball Uh, That'll be fun, and that'll be something to pay attention to here over the next few years. But job well done by New Albany this week in the sectional. uh, Jim Shannon, also thinking about Sharon Wilkerson as well. Year one, back at his alma mater, all sorts of young talent. Sharon almost got him over the hump in his first year, but you can bet that Jeff team, I think they're going to be really hard to beat at Seymour the next few years at least. Uh, Those sophomores get better and better, and uh, they're going to come in as juniors very, very, very season so a lot of things to look forward to and of course we've still got rock creek and new washington playing this weekend so that'll be fun to see we're going to have a semi-state team it just depends if it's going to be rock creek or new washington uh, advancing on one more weekend that's a look at our headlines for this tuesday edition of the show someone texted me and said what are the bids on the line tonight the Colonial Athletic Conference, uh, Charleston against UNC Wilmington, the Horizon League, Cleveland State, and Northern Kentucky and the West Coast Conference. How about this? St. Mary is the number one seed. Gonzaga, the number two seed. Both of those teams obviously will get in even if they weren't in the conference championship game is at large bids. And then the Summit League, uh, Oral Roberts in North Dakota State. Uh, I, it's just fun this time of year when it's a conference championship game in one of these tournaments where they got to win it to get in boy, the pressure is on these guys, and even if it's teams you've never watched, never heard of, don't know a single player on the roster, they're just fun to watch, especially the end of those ball games. and so often they end up being close competitive battles uh, down to the buzzer. So if you're looking for some good basketball in advance of the Big Ten tournament and some of the high major events, Four bids on the line tonight for the NCAA tournament. It's fun to talk about, fun to watch. We'll head to a commercial break. We're back with Mike Schumann of the Daily Hoosier. We'll talk the latest with IU basketball and the Big Ten tournament. Stay with us. It's March Madness here in southern Indiana. It's a great time for basketball, and we've got a lot of chatter about the Hoosiers coming up after this on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. And we're back on this Tuesday show. The Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Mike Schumann of the Daily Hoosier joins us on Tuesdays for the very latest in IU and Big Ten basketball. You can read Mike's work at thedailyhoosier.com, and he's a great follow on Twitter as well, at daily underscore Hoosier. Mike, uh, I was mentioning tonight, if you've got the itch for the Big Ten tournament, uh, yes, it starts tomorrow, and I know the Hoosiers have that double buy until Friday, but there are some big ones tonight, and that's going to be par for the course the rest of the week. Watching some of these low to mid-major conferences where you got to win the tournament to get in, these games are tight down the wire. Uh, it's not Indiana, it's not Big Ten, it's nobody that you know or have ever heard of in some cases, but my goodness, these games are so fun to watch play out.
3: They they really are. I mean, I I hear a lot of IU fans that are frustrated still with the concept of even having a a Big Ten tournament. And to some extent, I understand that because it's it's a little bit redundant or unnecessary with with the season, with the Big Ten getting so many um, at-large bids. But these smaller league tournaments, I mean, these are literally, you know, games that are deciding, you know, the one team out of the entire conference that's going to make the tournament. So there's much on the line, and year after year, those championship games deliver some good drama, so it is, I agree, it's good tune-up going into the rest of this week.
0: Well, the
2: Big Ten tournament gets underway tomorrow, and you want to talk about good games. I know Indiana's got a few days to practice and rest, which is obviously a huge advantage of the double bye, but I think some of the early games in the conference, if you're a Big Ten nut, will be fun to watch as
0: well.
3: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you look at that 12-13 game, I mean, I guess. First and foremost, who would have thought that that would have been the twelve thirteen game? I know I've got some egg on my face for thinking that Ohio State and Wisconsin would have been uh, better than than they were this year going in, in, into the season. I know Ohio really both of them had some injury issues, as do most teams throughout the course of a season. But you know, with Ohio State missing Zed Key, uh, with Tyler Wall for Wisconsin. Uh, two important bigs that that both them missed for a while, and I think it impacted their seasons. But both, um, you know, both teams that I think, you know, you, you don't necessarily want to face. Both have that kind of desperation that we talked about with the the, the smaller conference teams. Um, you know, that that could conceivably make a run if you, if you run into. Uh, some other teams that maybe have a little bit less on the line. So, um, you know, and I think the latest I saw is Wisconsin, at least, is still in the hot for, for an at large bit. So, especially them, you know, they, they may not be a team that, that you want to face. Um, and then going on into Thursday, that that's where you really get into the, the mess, so to speak, of the, of the Big Ten. You know, we saw it going right down to the final day where, you know, Indiana could have been anywhere from a two to nine. They end up as a three, but you're talking about. You know, like an eight-seed like Michigan, who's obviously just right there competitively with Indiana. Same with Rutgers. Um, You know, you got teams behind Indiana, like Iowa and Penn State and Maryland, that all beat Indiana. So, um, those Thursday games will be a lot of fun to watch, just because I think there's just so much parity in the league. Um, And then, obviously, Indiana with that rare opportunity to have a double-bidget. There's not been many of those throughout the 25-year history of this tournament.
2: Absolutely. Uh, Let's talk about Indiana. Obviously, a double-bye. Friday, their first game. It's possible they get Northwestern or Illinois, I think, in most scenarios. But you never know in the postseason. That said, let's look at what Indiana could accomplish with each win in the Big Ten tournament as far as their NCAA tournament seeding and standing goes. Where do you feel this team is at now? And if they can get to Saturday or even to Sunday or maybe win it, where could this team be uh, with each uh, additional success here in the postseason?
3: Well, I mean, big picture on their bracketology, it's it's really interesting. Most, just about every bracketologist has them right around the the number four seed line at, at this point in time. You'll you'll find some threes and fives, but I think four is by far and away the consensus with them right now. But what's really interesting is the net rankings. Um, at least, I haven't checked it this morning. I doubt it's changed much at all. But yesterday, they were like a 28 or 29 in the net. Last year, that tr- the team on that same spot was Boise State, and they ended up as a number eight seed. So it, it's going to be interesting how much weight uh, the, the tournament committee puts into their own net rankings tool, because I think that is quite a bit divergent from what, what where most people think Indiana is right now. Um, but just looking at at the week ahead, I, I think if they if they lose their first game, they're probably going to drop off the four line is my guess and end up a five. That's my best guess right now. I think that they can play their way into the a three seed if, if they run the table and, and win the tournament. Um, but if they are somewhere in between those two, I, I think they'll end up as, as a four. That would be my best guess of where they stand right now. I think the thing that really helps them is they've got some really nice quality wins including that sweep against Purdue. All
2: right Mike Schumann the Daily Hoosier talking IU basketball. You know Trace Jackson Davis has been so good all season long even in his off games he still often leads the team in scoring and has double doubles in his stat line. To win the Big Ten tournament it takes TJD to be solid. It takes the best Jalen hood shafino that we've seen at different points this season, I think this week in Chicago. But those are givens, Mike. What else does it take for this team to win? Who else has to step up, or is there something that needs to happen with the rest of this team for them to be a legitimate contender to to win this thing?
3: Yeah, I think that is the biggest question about this tournament is who else because I, I don't think the way Indiana has been playing over the last month or two sets them up very well to, to do well in a tournament setting, specifically like this one where you're playing back-to-back for three days in a row. Um, you know, as everybody knows at this point, you know, TJD's pretty much playing the entire game as is Jalen Um They're going very thin in, into the bench, especially away from home. That, that'll that be one thing I'm definitely curious at, from both standpoints, both because they face the prospects of playing three games in a row in three days and because they're on a neutral court um, Woodson's kind of been, you know, going back and forth. If, if he's at home he, he leans more heavily into his bench if he's away from home. He seems to not want to do that as much here on a neutral court um, I, I think he's got to go heavier into the bench, you know even in this first game against Maryland, um, you know give Caleb Banks more run, get Tamar Bates more run, um, Malik Renew. uh, I I think it's going to be real hard for Indiana to to play three games in three days. And don't forget, if they win on Friday, it's not even 24 hours. I I think their next game is something in the neighborhood of like three in the afternoon uh, the next day after a 9 o'clock game. So it is a very quick turn. going to be very hard for guys to play massive minutes in that first game uh, and turn around and do it again uh, the next day. So I I think, I think Indiana's going to have to go deep on the bench and specifically with Tamar Bates. I I felt his performance against Michigan was huge. I don't think they could have won that game without him. He's a guy that has really, really struggled this year, uh, especially in the latter back half of the season. And, um, you know, with Trey Gowley getting in foul trouble in that game, I, I think it was basically, the way Bates was going to play when when Galloway couldn't go anymore was going to make or break that game. And and I thought he stepped up. So if Indiana can get good, good minutes out of him in Chicago, I think that will kind of tell the story of what they're able to do there as well as the NCAA tournament. Because you're talking about teams like Maryland who pressed Indiana uh, almost ex- extensively that entire game. They're going to do it again. There's no doubt about it. So you've got to have backcourt depth. In that situation, Northwestern, very tough defensive perimeter team. So Indiana's going to have to have guards that that are ready to play in those games.
2: Mike Schumann, the Daily Hoosier, we're talking IU basketball in the Big Ten tournament. Um, Looking at the bracket, what's your feel of things? Who do you think uh, is the odds on favorite if you had to pick it for Indiana to play? And coming out of that other side of the bracket, actually the top half of the bracket, can Purdue work their way through, or what do you see playing out there? Yeah, I
3: mean, I, I feel like it's pretty wide open. I mean, Purdue's probably the favorite. I mean, they, they've had the most overall success this year, but they certainly were nothing uh, from a standing-out perspective over the back second half of the Big Ten season. I, and I think their, their uh, march to the title game is pretty rough when you look at, you know, records Wreckers in Michigan are going to be two very desperate teams, so whoever they get out of that matchup um, is going to, you know, certainly give them everything they've got. Um, Then you're talking about, you know, teams like Wisconsin, Iowa, Michigan State in that semifinal. uh, Again, teams that are, you know, well-coached. You know, Michigan State is particularly interesting to me because they another team. Had injury issues, especially with Malik Hall, who I think is one of the most underrated players in the league. Um, they are healthy. Um, they, I view them as a dangerous team. You know, nobody needs me to tell tell them about Thomas' success in March. Um, so that that would be a team if I'm picking kind of a wild card in this whole thing. I'd say watch out for Michigan State to to make a run to the to title game and upset Purdue.
2: Yeah, I agree with your take on that uh, 100%. Mike Schumann, the Daily Hoosier, my guest. Got a text here on the Thornton's text line. Says, Xavier, update, do you think he will play in the Big Ten tournament? And unfortunately, um, Texter, you must have missed the update that Xavier Johnson is out for the season. Mike, were you taken aback by the Saturday afternoon announcement from Indiana that Xavier, uh, despite his recent workouts during shoot-arounds and even doing some aggressive dunking, that uh, are you were you taking aback he is out for the season and uh, it doesn't seem like a chance at this point for any sort of return
3: um I mean the day it was announced I wasn't because the, the noise was starting to, to get louder on that front but that was just a matter of a day or two when, when that noise started and I think it was just a, a realization of a few things for him one is that you know if, if he came back he wasn't going to be a hundred percent and was going to be, you know, with an injury like that, was going to be risking re-injuring the foot. Um, so, so that was part of it. You know, second was a realization that a medical red shirt was a legit possibility, which I think the, the folks uh, at IU and, and Xavier and his family think that it is. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I watched him warm up for that Iowa game, you know, watched him for, for like an hour, and, you know, he was putting weight on his foot, he was, shifting uh he was dunking as you said um so, so he, he's obviously close he could probably do it but it, i think it's just a question of you know what's best for him in his future um you know if he can get another full season of college basketball as, as a lead point guard and, and be 100 percent, that, that probably is a better, you know, showcase for what he's capable of as a professional than trying to squeeze in a couple games here to help a team down the stretch and risking re-injuries. The decision made a lot of sense to me. Um, You know, it's unfortunate for Indiana because I think he could have helped them a lot going back to that point about having guard depth. You know, I think Indiana's biggest weakness this season, or one of them, has been their ability or inability to defend the perimeter and I think that's where they they missed him the most is kind of putting him on that primary assignment against some of the guys they're probably going to face this weekend, like a Boo Booey or a Jameer Young of Maryland. Those are tough covers for for Indiana's guards that are available this week. And I, I think that's where they miss X. But if they can get him back next year, then and, and I think that you know is a good thing because you know I think by all reasonable expectations they're not going to have Jalen Hutschefino next year, so it, it's wide open to have. A guy like Xavier Johnson playing alongside a freshman like Gabe Cops, I think that that's a pretty good combination right there for Indiana going forward.
2: Yeah, no question. Is there a legitimate chance though that it could be worked out for Xavier to get another year of college basketball? This came up yesterday on the show as well, and I thought that it would be really tough for him to get the uh, for Indiana to get the number of games needed for him to have been out long enough to to get that additional season. Any thoughts on I, that?
3: Yeah. I... I think it's more along the lines of they might not fit perfectly into the, the definition of what's a clear cut medical hardship and more of an appeal process. But I think that you know based on the fact that it's going to be right right on that line of thirty percent of the games and it did end up ending his season. I think they're I think there's enough comfort that they're in that conversation that, that they think that they can get that approved pretty easily. I think there's some, you know, in my experience, paying attention to this stuff kind of on the periphery because it hasn't impacted Indiana. But over the last couple of years, it seems like just about any situation like this where there's been an appeal for an additional year, it's been kind of almost a blanket approval by the NCAA. So unless there's something weird that that comes up in, in his situation or... You know, uh, kind of a sea change from the NCAA, I think that they'll get it approved.
2: Wow, Good. that would be a, an amazing situation. I guess the thing is, Mike, you assume Xavier would come back to Indiana for that extra year, but with the transfer portal and things changing on a minute's notice in college basketball, I guess we, we really wouldn't know until he makes that decision.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I think that's maybe the more pertinent aspect of of this. Um, I'm not putting it out there that that he's going to transfer, but look, it's 2023 and college basketball players have options. Um, You know, I think it's got to be an attractive situation for him. You know, he doesn't want to come into a situation where, you know, he's not surrounded by the right talent, the right kind of team. So I don't think it's a slam dunk that he's a hundred percent coming back to Indiana, even if, if he does get that approved. I think that's another layer of this that, that maybe people aren't talking about that, you know, I'm not saying it based on anything I'm hearing. I'm just saying that that's the reality of college basketball these days. Players have options. And that's another aspect of this that you have to consider. And I think it's, it's interesting from Indiana's standpoint too, because they they've got to also build out their roster next year. so they've got to both get that approval in place and know that Xavier Johnson's coming back, so that they can properly construct their roster as soon as possible. Because I'm sure, as people have noticed already this week, you know there there are talented people entering the portal right now, uh, and, and you know a lot of those guys are going to be you know, recruited, signed, and committed here in the, in the next few weeks. So it's a very fluid process with a lot of different uh, chemicals to it right now.
2: All right. So, uh, Mike, you mentioned an a interesting point. The portal is open, and there are a lot of players who uh, maybe their season is over. They're a mid-major level player uh, whose team is already out of their conference tournament. A lot have already announced that they're entering, and that process uh, those I guess you would call it recruiting process of the transfer portal it's beginning even though co- conference tournaments is as far as the high major conferences are just getting started the transfer portal is already up and running
3: yeah absolutely is. and um, you know I think Indiana clearly has needs for next year I, I think we're at that point where you know look you know you're losing Miller, Kopp, Teresa Jackson Davis and Reese Thompson Uh, you're probably losing Jalen and Schofino. So there's four of your five starters. Um, So there's clear needs for an additional big man in in the front court. I'd say the biggest need is kind of the scoring wing type players and and there may be a need at point guard. You just don't know which really makes it complicated for for Indiana right now. Um, So they've got to hit that thing hard and heavy. They're, They're doing it already this week and I think it's you know it's going to be a different kind of offseason for Indiana because people will remember last year that they didn't bring anybody in via the portal. This year it's going to be uh, kind of a a 180. They're, they're they're going to have to almost follow the Illinois model from last year where they're going to have to reconstruct their their roster via the portal because don't forget, you know there's there's guys on this team that'll probably enter the portal too. We don't know who they are at this point, but so, so you're you're looking at, you know, maybe half the scholarship players once all of a sudden done, you know, maybe not being here next year, which means they've got a lot of work to do. You don't have to completely fill out your roster with all thirteen scholarships, to play, but but they're gonna have to do some heavy lifting to even get to to having a full roster next year.
2: Absolutely. Mike Schumann, the Daily Hoosier. All right, Big Ten player of the year. I believe it's announced after the regular season. Is that correct?
3: Yeah, it's going to be announced here today, actually. Early afternoon, I think all the Big Ten awards are going to be announced.
2: Okay, so somebody sent this along to me. Trace Jackson Davis, in Big Ten play, averaged 21.8 points per game, 12.4 rebounds per game, 2.9 blocks, 4.7 assists, which I think is impressive, and then .8 steals. So just under one steal per game for TJD. Zach Edie of Purdue who I think a lot of people feel is the front runner for that award. He's averaging 21.9 points, just a hair over TJD, 13.1 rebounds, 2.5 blocks, 1.7 assists per game, and 2.2 uh, steals per game. Uh, does Trace have any uh, chance at being announced as this award winner in the conference, or do you think this thing goes to Zach Eady today?
3: Yeah, if you're asking me to predict who's going to win it, I'll, I'll say Zach Eadie. If you're asking me, does Trace have a legitimate argument? I'd say absolutely, he does. I mean, I, I think year after year, we we see the case made that you know you have to be part of a winning team to to be in contention for these things. And I, you know, even though Purdue finished first in the league, I think that's what kind of puts Trace right there. And what I would say. You know, it, it probably won't end up this way, but what I would say is a co-Big Ten Player of the Year type situation because, you know, it, it's easy to look at the schedules of Indiana and Purdue and, and say that Purdue had an easier path to win the Big Ten. They they played the, the bottom of the league um, way more than, than Indiana did, and Indiana swept Purdue. So Indiana, by that measure, was, in my opinion, just a as successful as Purdue this year. And, and the, those numbers you mentioned, I, I think, makes it a co-type argument. I think, you know, the, Zach is a, was a more efficient player this year, and he played a little bit less minutes, so that helped Trace get get better numbers, uh, so to speak. But the, the, the thing that stands out to me are, from Trace's standpoint is, is that assist number. You know, he, he averaged 4.7 a game, which turned out to be fifth-best in the Big Ten overall. Um, so so he was ahead of, you know, his own point guard, Hood produced Purdue's point guard, Braden Smith. It, it's really a stunning number. shows you how much he improved in that aspect of the game this year. And, and if you count that towards, you know, the overall offensive input into uh, into a team from a scoring and efficiency standpoint, I think that puts him right there in the conversation. So if I had a vote on it, I would have said co-MVP. If you can even vote that way, I don't know. But if you're asking me who I think is going to be announced here shortly, I think it will end up being Zach. Um, But but I think both have really good arguments.
2: All right, good stuff. Mike Schumann, the Daily Hoosier. Mike, thank you so much for the extended chat today, and we'll chat with you next Tuesday in advance of uh, NCAA tournament games. Sounds great, Matt. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, Mike Schumann with us on Tuesday's quick commercial break. And we're back to wrap up the show. Stay with us. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. All right, we're back. Quick segment to wrap up this Tuesday edition of the program. Regional pairings set in high school basketball. 4A at Seymour. First time in a while that New Albany, Jeff, or Floyd have not been there. There's no local entry at Seymour this weekend. Evansville writes against Jennings County. That should be a good game. Jennings County can get to semi-state. Again, this is just a one-game deal at Seymour. The other game that will be played at Seymour, really unconnected to... Uh, who advances on to the semi-state Bloomington North 18 and 5 against Columbus North 17 and 8. I think though the best regional in the state, if you're just looking at big time players and great records, is the 4A regional at Southport. New Palestine 23 and 2 will take on Brownsburg at 20 and 4. And Indianapolis Cathedral 19 and 5 will take on undefeated Ben Davis. They are 29 and 0 headed into a one-game regional at Southport on Saturday. Scottsburg is our most local 3A team. They will play down at Washington and take on Greensburg, who is and 20-6. The other game at Washington, North Davies, who is a 1A team, they bumped up not just to 2A because of the success factor, but elected to move themselves up to 3A. Uh, they're 23-5 and will take on Gibson Southern who was a little bit of of a surprise to win their respective sectional. Brownstown, who defeated Providence, and then Brownstown defeated Southwestern uh, to win that sectional last night. They play at Southridge. Brownstown, 22-4. Get this, they will take on Forest Park, who is 9-17 on the season. Uh, 1A down at Lagodi, That's New Washington at 13-13 against Rock Creek who had the thrilling win last night. We heard from Coach Chris Brown earlier in the show, Rock Creek 10-14 now on the season. The first game at Lagoti Lagoti the host team against Northeast Dubois. So a lot of great regional action out there tonight. That's going to wrap things up for this Tuesday program. Enjoy some hoops today and this week. I'll be back with you on Thursday. No show tomorrow, but back on Thursday. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.